I'm so happy you found Virago 24-7. If you're loving this podcast, please go to wherever you're listening and rate the show. Five stars would be very much appreciated. I wouldn't mind a review as well. And also, please share, share, share this podcast with your friends. Hi, I am your host, Leonette Talley, and you are listening to Virago 24-7. Virago is Latin for female warrior, and 24-7 is for all day, every day. Virago 24-7 is a weekly podcast that brings diverse women together to talk about life and our experiences in this world. We share our views on self-love, mental health, marriage, children, friendships, and really anything that needs to be talked about. Here, you will find everyday growth, everyday healing with everyday warriors. Hey, everybody. It's going to be a new show for me because normally I have women on telling their stories. And today I have a man. Hello. His name is TJ Ward, and he is a private investigator. And then I also have my sister on, Monica. She's been on some other shows, and I wanted her to come on to tell her story of, of, you know, being in a controlling relationship. And what TJ does is, you know, he's a private investigator, so obviously when people separate, it's not on good terms. And so I guess I want him to tell what he does how he started and yeah, we'll just, I, I want him to give us warning signs about what to look for in a controlling relationship. We can, yeah. And just kind of get into that and then Monica can tell the story. So TJ, welcome to the show. Thank you. I have uh, been a private investigator for 38 years and in conjunction with me being a private investigator, I stayed in law enforcement. I started in law enforcement in 1973 and I stayed in law enforcement as a reserve for over 30 years, up until last year, and I was a captain over internal affairs for an agency here in Atlanta. But uh, my investigator firm, I um, have been obviously very successful with, and and I do work for over 600 law firms and 40 corporations. And uh, I, I do civil cases along with criminal cases. I do criminal defense, and I also do plaintiff work. Um, to give you an example, I do all the loss prevention for Applebee's. And last year, I put over 16 employees, Applebee's employees, in jail for fraud, for credit card thefts, for thefts of money, and so on and so forth. And I, I don't you really use the police for anything other than transporting them, because I, I issue and go take the warrants, and I prepare investigative reports and submit it directly to the district attorney's office to be prosecuted. And it's good because the victim impact statement that goes out as part of an investigation with the district attorney's office is becomes part of the file and part of the liability for the person that I arrest. And I incorporate my fees where the company had to hire me to conduct the investigation. So they end up getting their money back and I get numerous amounts of checks in the mail going to Applebee's for, for um, restitution. So... It's kind of a win-win situation for companies that hire me and do what I do. But I do, uh, before 9-11, I had 90% of all the vendors in the airports, and I used to have shopping teams. They used to go in and test employees across the country to see if they were stealing. I had 900 Eckerd stores, Eckerd drug stores, before they went out of business, that I used to go in and, and test them 
and to see if they, the checkpoint system, and to see if they, I would put a checkpoint sticker in my pocket. And when you open the checkpoint sticker up, it'll activate. And uh, I would go up there and make a purchase with the merchandise and walk out the door, dressed sometimes in jeans, sometimes in a suit. And then we would see how that employee handles that theft. Mm-hmm. And, and I would write a report and send it back to loss prevention in the company. Interesting. Yes. So I have a lot of women listeners, men listen to, but the, the bulk of my audience and, and listeners are females. So how, how much of your work is like private, like divorce related or domestic relationship? Cases. Domestic mm-hmm. cases. I work about 40% of my cases that I work are domestic okay. related. I do. Um, I, as a matter of fact, I sponsor the family law section for the Atlanta Bar. And uh, so I go to the seminars and I meet all these divorce lawyers and I do work for them all the way from protective orders, serving protective orders to investigating uh, husbands and wives or backgrounds and also conducting surveillances, putting GPSs on cars to follow and maintain their activity and what they're doing. And uh, for, for starters, and, and I can use all this evidence that I use to testify in court for whoever hires me. And if there is activity of another woman or another man, I build a case against them and be able to utilize that for the end result of, of um, alimony or child support or whatever. So most of your cases are women wanting to find out if they're having affairs within the marriage. Is that when a woman comes to you, what is it exactly that they're seeking? Well, it, it just depends. It could be in the situation that we're about to talk to today. There may be abuse and there may be something that I need to look back. Um, to give you an example, um, I had a lady call me yesterday that is going to rent a room here in, in North Cross, Georgia. Okay. And she wanted to know about this tenant that she was uh, going to allow into her home to rent a room. And we went went all the way back in to run a profile on him to find about employment. And I, I'm online with um, the Georgia Crime Information Center. So we ran a background on him, and the Social Security number was incorrect. I caught that. Okay. And then when we submitted to GCIC, it returned that he had been arrested in 2000 for uh, child abuse and I had a whole criminal history. Really? He, yeah, he was found guilty. So I submitted all these documents to her mm-hmm. in order to make her... her so she had no idea that no, he had none this? None whatsoever. Wow. None whatsoever. Okay. So that's a background check. And sometimes, I'm just we'll, we'll take women hiring me right now, but and I get hired by men to follow women also. Okay. But sometimes um, running background checks on spouses that... They may think that they've known them mm-hmm. all these years, and they really don't. And I find out that they've had four or five different girlfriends over the years, and I can go back and, and trace them and find out who they are. And they end up could be witnesses in the, in the proceedings of this current divorce. Mm-hmm. And you might, I might go back when there's somebody's been married three or four times to go back and look and pull their, their divorce decrees from their, their previous relationships and find out there was abuse in their previous relationships mm-hmm. and end up going interviewing those former spouses and uh, be able to utilize that information and testify to it in a, um, in a hearing um, to what we found. Okay. Um, so I wanted to have Monica on because she was married and it was very difficult relationship. And 
looking from the outside, since I'm her sister, you know, I was there as a support, but you can explain like what it was being in the marriage. And then after you guys separated, like what you found out about him and how TJ could have been helpful in that, in that time, because, oh my gosh, it was, it was a lot. It was a lot. So it's kind of difficult to even know where to start. Um, we met and we married quickly. That was probably error number one. Um, but I, I was in love and he accepted me and he accepted my son, um, who I had from a previous relationship. And um, things were, were great. I got along well with his family. Um, things started to happen just slowly. I was kind of removed from family and friends, not really realizing it was happening until there was no one left. Um, the only friend circle that I had were his friends. Um, I, I got along well with his parents, so I didn't think anything was really wrong. You know, I, I kind of just felt like, oh, well, my family doesn't like him, but this is who I'm choosing. And I, I'm married now, so he's my husband and I need to support him. And he kind of job hopped, um, created a business and it failed. And I think ultimately that's kind of when things started to get bad. Um, I became the sole breadwinner and I I didn't see the affair happening. Uh, it was the, the husband of the mistress who contacted me initially and told me that my husband was sleeping with his wife. Um, and then from then that's when things just kind of spiraled out of control little things would would start to happen with name calling and just being degrading um you know from from my appearance to my scent to um my being a mother and a stepmother even even as a wife even though i in my mind was the perfect picture of, of a wife. I was very obedient. I cooked, I cleaned, I worked, I, you know, did the laundry, did the yard work. I cleaned up after his hunting dogs, for goodness sakes. You know, I mean, I did everything that in my mind was expected of a good spouse. How long were you and, married? Sure. How long were you married? Um... I think we we ended up separating just shy of three years. And they had a son together. We had a son. And um, when the when I found out about the affair, I confronted him and he, of course, denied it at first. But then we talked about it and decided, okay, we'll try counseling. And he lied in counseling. And I was like, oh no, <laughs> you know, this is not going to work if you're lying in counseling. Who who was the woman? How does he know her? 
the one that he was having an affair with? Uh, I honestly, I don't know. I don't know if they knew each other from school. I don't know how they met. Um, I would have asked all the questions. He wasn't forthcoming with the information. Um, I I think that I ended up finding one of her best friends or something, but then her best friend was, I mean, of course, that's her best friend. So she didn't like me at all. And from the bat was just very ugly. And I was just trying to find answers. You know, my marriage is in turmoil. So I, of course, was just trying to find things out. And I just hit brick wall after brick wall after brick wall. And he would throw things in my face. You know, we did it on your side of the bed. We did it here. We did it there. My daughter met her, you know, very. You could have found all of this stuff out, right, TJ? If she had known you, you would have had the answers right away. Was he bringing her to your home? Pardon me? Was he bringing her to your home? Yes. Wow. 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 And didn't you go to jail for him because of him or you were arrested? So that uh, I had drawn up separation paperwork. Um, I had contacted a divorce attorney at first and they basically told me that it wasn't going to be worth my money because we were married for under five years and that I'd be paying more in attorney fees than what our belongings were worth. And did I really want to fight for a bed that we shared together when I could just go and buy a new one? Now, you know, at that time, he had drained my bank account. I was left with 78 cents. Um, And... (laughs) When I gave him the paperwork, he had me cornered in our hall closet. So he wouldn't let me out of the closet. But he was blocking my way to get out of the closet, had the door, you know, to him closed. So it was maybe a 45 degree angle open and I'm in the closet. And he wouldn't get out of my way and he wouldn't let me out of the closet and Maddox was little Maddox was home. He was, you know, two and a half, three years old at the time. And I started to get like claustrophobic and I was freaking out and he was just, I mean, calling me every name in the book, just bitch and cunt and you nasty whore. And I mean, I was all of these things but I didn't do anything, you know, but I was all of these horrible, terrible things. And he's just yelling at me while I'm in this closet. And so I panic and I, I went to swing the door open, but I hit him with my left hand to get out of the doorway and his nose started to bleed. Now, When that happened, he immediately wiped his nose, white blood on the walls, took pictures of himself and called 911 and was like, that's it, bitch, you're going to jail and you hit me and, you know, all of these nasty things. He, you know, was sounding like a lawyer, like he knew all of the law and 
I was going to jail because I struck him. He pushed me down in the hallway. And I remember Maddox standing over me saying, mommy, are you okay? Are you okay, mommy? So they showed up at your house? They, well, there's more to the story. After I was pushed down in the hallway and my baby was there, I, I tried to run outside and he followed me outside and he pushed me to the ground in our front yard. And we lived in a cul-de-sac at the time. And he kicked me and kicked me until the police came. Wow. How long ago was this? Mm-hmm. It's, like it's been eight. a long time, but you're still real emotionally yeah. tied to this. Okay. Well, have you he's... gone to counseling or anything? Have you have you gone to a counselor? You got to get this out. Okay. You have to get it out. It's over with. Okay. So you were arrested for domestic violence. Yes. For a simple battery. Because she hit him first. Did you go to court? Yes. So and in court. Uh, at this time, he was trying to make nice. Uh, so he came to court and he said that it was his fault and he he had instigated it. Uh, yeah, false imprisonment. But, but it was in the state of Virginia. And it, Virginia is a Commonwealth state. And at that time, it was basically the Commonwealth of Virginia against me. And the Commonwealth of Virginia didn't want to hear what he had to say. I struck him. So I was in trouble and whatever happened after that. I mean, I had pictures, I had bruises up and down my body and uh, it didn't matter. Okay. Uh, so I was ordered to take anger management classes <laughs> and I've mm-hmm. never been in a fight in my life. She, I mean, I never she, even fought with Leonette. She <laughs> is not an aggressive person. Not me. I'll, I'll fight anybody. And, and, and I hope, well, I'm, I'm older and wiser, but in my day, I, I would just fight anybody. And she's not violent at all. Like she doesn't hit people. She's very sweet and very calm, cool and collected. That's not her nature at all. Well, he committed a crime against you when he would not let you leave out of the closet. Okay. Mm-hmm. That's false imprisonment. Okay. Mm-hmm. So outside the fact that you hit me, you have a right to defend yourself to try to leave. But I understand the laws in Virginia, the common law. I know it's a little different than it would be here. Um, probably, if the, at, at the very least, if this would have happened here, both of you would have went to jail, then you would have sorted it out in front of the judge. But, uh, you know, I understand. You know, today we have a, a lot of advantages. If you knew this abuse was going on, you probably, and, and hiring a private investigator would have been a good thing because I would have put covert cameras in your house. Mm. Okay, not only to catch him bringing women into your house, but if there was abuse against you, it would be recorded. There's a lot of covert equipment now that you don't even know it's a camera. And uh, I, I mean, there's a lot of things on the market right now. And, then, and outside of that, you have did you, did you have a cell phone with you at the time and all too? I mean, you can record. Cell phones are great now. I mean, look what they're doing with the police now with cell phones uh, yeah. on the street. Every time something goes wrong, you see a cell phone now. It's worse than being Japanese now. <laughs> with, with, you know, they used to, the Japanese always had a camera with them. Mm-hmm. And there used to be kind of a joke uh, when they would right. travel or go and 
going trips and all, everything would be filmed. And uh, but but today there there's a lot of advantage. And now you know the police carry have cameras on their bodies now, cameras in their cars, which they thought were a great thing until they started getting it used against them. Mm-hmm. And now and now, but. I would have got a private investigator involved early on with you, and even though you were only married for three years, his abuse did not start with you. Okay, he had abusive problems before you. Mm-hmm. Well, and you found that out with the I ex. Did. Uh, I met him, yes, because he met his daughter's mom. It was the same, right? It's the same situation, and I guess she was provoked so much in in the similar situation. She also was ordered to take anger management classes. He had just pushed her so far to where she had, you know, just, I, I guess. Have, I would have interviewed her if you'd have hired me. And I would have probably recommended that you got a protective order against him to get him removed from the house. Mm-hmm. An emergency hearing, even though you were married three years, you're not entitled to be abused. Yeah. Okay. It needs to stop from the beginning. There's nobody has the right to put their hands on you whatsoever. I did end up getting uh, an emergency protective order for 48 hours. Um, From there, um, I had one. um, I I can't remember the exact specifics, but he, um, he could only come or couldn't come within so many feet of me. I ended up getting an, an apartment and stuff, but he would drive by my apartment and well, he would call. That's and, mm-hmm. Okay. You yeah. take a TPO against him. If you could prove that he's doing that, they would incarcerate him without a bond. They would incarcerate him without a bond. I have a case right now that um, um, is very, uh, to say, in detail. I have a lady who was married 25 years and back in 1997, with her, her husband, he hit her over the head with, with a steel rod. He ended up going to prison, but she stayed with him. She stuck with him, and she was married all the way up until 2017 when she died in the hospital. And why she died was, see, he had a plan. He had a girlfriend on the side, a lady much younger than him, a Korean lady. And their, her grandson was living with them. The daughter hired me. And the grandson was living with him, and he was schizophrenic. So he was taking medication for schizophrenia, and this guy had drug problems also. And he was giving her, to keep her calm and keep her sedated, he was giving her his his drugs and also giving him, giving her his, his drugs and admitted to it when she got hospitalized and she died in the hospital. The police came in and did a whole, they, they, the whole room was a crime scene. And he admitted to a family member that he had been giving her drugs. And before she died, she told the daughter he did it. Wow. Oh, yeah. I have gotten involved in that case and just hired, and I'm pulling a notebook together right now to take to the DA to have him indicted for a death. And he, the girlfriend that he had, the younger Korean girl, he's now married to her, living in a marital home. Oh, man. So he had a plan. Yeah. And now she's gone. And uh, but he has he has severe drug problems. Of course, he got he got convicted of aggravated assault back in 1997. Went to prison for it. Mm-hmm. So he he abused her. But all along for the past couple of years, he's been giving her medication to keep her sedated and keep her under the influence, and it made her sick. Wow. 
Wow. And she died. And there was the medication he gave her was in her bloodstream in the autopsy. Mm-hmm. And he wouldn't allow the family members to be at the funeral and had her cremated. Wow. Okay. So I mean that's like narcissistic behavior. Yes. That that and I think that's yes. what um your ex, Monica, I don't want to say his name, but that's I mean, that's what he was. And even after they separated and were going through the divorce, or you guys were already divorced when you did the um when you guys were going to court for Maddox. Yes. And he was still making your life a living hell. Well, you should have had a, a, a protective order put in place, and you probably could have got a permanent protective order and for a supervised visitation for him to be able to, to pick up your your son um, in a remote area away from you so you wouldn't be abused anymore. I mean, you could show that. And if he's had previous um, relationships where there was abuse, you could have used that against him in court. Even though you had a short-term uh, a marriage and a relationship, you could have used all this because he had a plan. He was he was bringing women home to your home, and and, uh, and then turned around when he did abuse you. He turned it around to make it look like that you were the abuser mm-hmm. when in fact that you weren't. If you had things backed up with previous relationships where he abused other women, you could have used that against him in the course of your case. And I'm sure um, his his ex, the one that his daughter, his his uh, mother's daughter, his daughter's mother. Excuse me. Um, I'm sure there was people before her too, right? Like it, it wasn't just the two of you. I can't. I can't even imagine. Do you know? I don't know. No. Well, don't one know. of the first things we would do is when we were we're doing a background on him, we would research. We would go back. We can run profiles on somebody, which will go back 25 years. Mm-hmm. So I'll be able to see other people's names. And I will check those jurisdictions to see if something was filed in those um, marriages also mm-hmm. that you could use. We would get certified copies so you could utilize them in the course of your case to show that this is not an isolated situation. This, this has been going on with this woman, this woman, this woman, and you're just the continuation of what's happened. He's out of control in his life, and he tries to turn things around on you the same way he did when you were arrested. And uh, when you when you were trying to defend yourself, when he was holding you in a closet, wouldn't let you leave, you you uh, pushed the door open and accidentally hit him in the nose, and then he turned around and used that as a tool for him to have you arrested. Well, and it sounds obviously like he already knew. Like you said, he turned into a lawyer once, once that happened. So he's done it before, because how would you know that, oh, you're going to jail and now I'm going to take you outside in the front yard and start kicking your ass? That's pretty much what he did, because he knew that it was going to be on you. Was there any neighbors that saw that he was kicking you when you were outside when the, before the police got there? If they did, they didn't come. Well, and see, that's something we would have done. You when we sat down and got your story, then we would have made plans to defend you and get you what you need not only to go to court for the for the simple battery that you were charged with, but be prepared and, and, and gathering evidence to um, get this divorce filed on your behalf. If you can go back, Monica, would you have hired, tried to hire, instead of a lawyer, a private investigator to get more stuff on him? I mean, that if I had the, the funds yeah. to do yeah. so, well, I definitely would have, I wish I would have had that, that chance, yeah. yeah. Normally, when you go see a lawyer and you sit down with him and start telling him things uh, of this nature, 
they would probably refer you to get a private investigator involved before you hire them mm-hmm. to be able to build the case and bring the evidence and then let him file because his his avenue and expertise is in the courtroom. Mm-hmm. And if we gather the information that's needed, and, and even me, I'm a I'm a 47-year veteran of law enforcement, so I'm very familiar with handling domestic calls, not only in the private sector, but as a government agent and with all the domestic violence laws that are in place now for law enforcement to be able to build this for you before you take it to him and he takes it into court. Mm-hmm. So before we got on, Mike, you had asked me if she's codependent. And I couldn't answer that. I was just going to let you answer. Is that what you see in most women, that they're just codependent? A lot of women are codependent mm-hmm. and don't want to get out of a relationship. I will tell you, and, and my mother, my own mother, was codependent with my father and probably should have divorced my father 40 years ago. Mm-hmm. But my mother, my mother stuck with my father all the way to the day he took his last breath. So was he abusive towards yes. your mother? yes. Physically or yes, mentally? Mentally and physically. But my dad stopped because this is kind of an interesting story that I would tell you later. But my dad became a police officer after I did. Really? Yes. And my dad knew what the laws were. And from that point forward, there was no problems with abuse with my father because my mother knew and my father knew what the limits were where he could take it, not get himself in trouble. Mm-hmm. And uh, But he knew because he was a police officer and he answered domestic calls. So he knew what the bottom line is. And domestic laws are in the favor of the, the, the um, person being abused now because if there's any evidence of it, that you could go to jail. And if there's any physical evidence, you know, furniture dis- disrupted or, or broken, they can, you can go to jail for that. That's, that's have you en- violence. Have you encountered women abusing men? Yes. You have? Yes. I've seen it happen. Mm-hmm. Yes, I've seen that happen also. You've got to take the whole picture. I have seen women abuse men. Yeah. Okay. I've seen women to pick up something and smack you with it or, or you know, the same way. And uh, so I, I've gotten hired on the other shoe on the other foot. And uh, But I have seen women take advantage of men also and having affairs. Mm-hmm. Okay. I have seen that. And... The, the goodness here in the laws in the state of Georgia, if a woman gets caught uh, committing adultery and all, her, uh, you know, she, alimony is going to be out the window. Really? Oh, yeah. Yeah. So I get hired a good bit with women. And there's a lot of women. See, the, the problem is a lot of women that are well off and, and got husbands that make a good bit of money, they have a lot of, they get bored. They have a lot of free time on their hands. And it's really easy to get attached to somebody else on the outside that's not your spouse, but you have the convenience of being financially stable by that person you live with, so you tolerate it, okay? And, and then they tolerate it. But there's been instances I've been hired, to, you know, the, by, the, the, by the man to follow the woman, and it's happened. And uh, I followed him out of town. When you start seeing things changes in your marriage, when you start seeing money changes, when you start seeing hiding cell phones and and not letting people see what's in there, or you now people do, they buy throwaway phones mm-hmm. and then keep their cell phone for their everyday living, but they have another cell phone they keep in their car. And uh, I mean, I've seen this. And then we have the advantage now, we can put trackers on cars, and it's legal in the state of Georgia to put a tracker on a car. 
And I can follow somebody and see where they are, and it makes my job a little bit easier because we don't have to play cat and mouse. Mm-hmm. I keep up with them, and I can see where they are, and I go there and, and do what I have to do. But you have to know the law. And mm-hmm. see, I guess the advantage I can say I have, because I, I, I worked for many years to enforce the law, and my last opportunity um, in law enforcement for the last seven years, I was an internal affairs commander. So I policed the police. When police officers made bad decisions, I investigated the case. Okay. And uh, so I, I've seen, I had a situation about four or five years ago when the chief of police came to me. We had a reserve officer that was tipping drug dealers off. Really? A police officer. So I incorporated the FBI, and he's in a federal penitentiary now. Really? Oh, yeah. So he was telling the drug dealers he was drug what's dealers going on. Where the police were. Wow. Oh, yeah. So there's bad apples in every tree. Yeah. So um, I have another high-profile case right now in Grilla. Do, do you know where Grilla is next to St. Martin? Mm-hmm. It's a very, very high-profile. Oh, a lot of movie stars go there. And I had a couple that was, it, um, in fact, my, my client's brother that, that, that died. Um, they hired me, but he was on The Young and Restless. He was on mm-hmm. TV. He was a movie star. And he had married a woman who was a nurse who was 27 years older than him. So he got interested in going to medical school in California. And there's a there's a, a branch of the school from California he was in. They moved to Anguilla and uh, sold everything and moved there. Well, in 2018, they um, invited two other couples. Uh, they were from Oregon. And his, one of his friends from Oregon lived and was married in um Seattle, Washington. So in New Year's Eve um, 2018, they all got together in a grill. They were partying and having fun. And his, his friend from, um, from Seattle started getting sick. And uh, so they ended up packing up and going back to the apartment. And uh, they were doing drugs and all and partying and having a good time. Well, the one from Seattle that started getting sick went into cardiac arrest. Mm-hmm. and they couldn't revive him. My client's brother started getting sick also and ended up going into cardiac arrest, and he died also. No way. So the four survivors got taken into custody by law enforcement and in Grilla, and uh, this happened in 2018. So as soon as the wife of my client got out of jail, the first thing she did was call the insurance company. Because my client's brother had an insurance policy for $1.5 million. Mm. The very first thing, 20 minutes after she got out of custody of the police. That's what she thought to do. She called the insurance company. It gets better. She she not only called the insurance company, but when she got the bodies from the autopsy, which is very strange too, because his friend from Seattle's, Autopsy is different. They all had drugs in their system, and but the other guy had facial injuries and he was strangled. So something happened in an apartment, and the police also documented in their reports that I have that there was cocaine all over the apartment. And I am real surprised nobody got arrested. Nobody got arrested in this case. Mm. So they she gets the bodies and she had gotten a friend in California that called and said he would bring a private aircraft in to pick them up which she didn't entertain 
She ended up taking the two bodies. She wanted to get off the island as quick as she could before trouble arose and went back through St. Martin. She had both the bodies cremated. Okay, so now the insurance company's not gonna pay off because there's an open investigation and in Grillo. I get involved and the, um, the wife files a lawsuit against the insurance company because they won't pay off. She has now filed motions with the courts in federal court in California to avoid law enforcement and me to see any of the depositions there's evidence in the depositions that's going to point towards who's involved with how that MDA got in some in one of those drinks. Mm-hmm. These two guys drank out of the same cup that had MDA in it, and it killed them. Wow! But it was meant for her husband, not the I other guy. I don't know who it was meant for. Okay, but two people were dead. My client's brother uh-huh. and the guy from Seattle died, and both the bodies were cremated when they went back to go home to the U.S. And, and so this case is going on right now and it's in federal court. And my client is involved in it because she was a beneficiary of in, in the, in the um, life insurance policy. And she, the, the, the wife and the husband had made claims in the insurance policy that um, one of the beneficiaries was the niece, his niece. Well, he doesn't have a niece. She has a niece. Okay? Mm-hmm. So she would be the one that's paid out the most of the money. But you know where that money's going to go when she's paid out. Yeah. So there's a big... It's in federal court right now. And it hasn't even been ruled on from the judge yet. Why? To keep me out of the case and keep the, keep law enforcement out. Sure, they're trying to do that. The judge has not ruled on that yet. And uh, But it's it's kind of interesting. So you're involved with... High high cases. Oh, yeah. Wow. High profile case. High profile. So for women that are obviously looking back, I'm sure, Monica, you would have looked at the warning signs and and you would have done things differently. But once you're in an abusive relationship, how do you you start the process of getting out? Because it is scary, especially if it's someone that is super controlling. Well, first of all, what I recommend is for you to keep a diary every day of what's happening. Okay. Things happen. Okay. What you tell me about money, you know, there's no account for money. He's wanting to take trips over here and go that. He's um, not coming home when he's supposed to come home from work. He's out late. He's telling you he's got to do this, this, and this. And changes. There's a lot of changes from what your your marriage was. Okay. So you got to keep up with it. You start documenting. You got to document. You're not going to remember six months from now what happened today unless you document it. So when you start seeing a change of directions in your marriage, you start documenting. You have to keep a diary. That's the first thing I tell you to do. Then you start working your way back. When you start seeing things strange, what you just talked about, her bring. Did you see? Did you know that she he was bringing women home to your home? Outside the fact of talking, him telling you. Okay, you need to start. Look, you need to start looking at that. Okay, you need to see putting cameras in your house. Okay. That, that's the eye when you're not there. And then when you start seeing money's being spent and outside the fact of what your your normal course of, of your marriage is, that's a sign. When he's, when you start seeing him not locking his phone down and not, you're not seeing his phone, he used to lay his phone down. Now he doesn't do that anymore. He keeps his phone locked up. Just these, these little things 
that's keeping you separated from his life other than what he wants you to see. Okay, you need to look at it. Just wake up, it happens. It's gonna, it's continuing to happen. It's happening today, it's gonna happen tomorrow. But I can see from our conversation today that you still have a lot of emotional things and I think that you need to get that to clear. I think you need to go talk to somebody about it and try to appease your own emotions about what's happened. It's over. You're, you're out of it. Yeah, you don't need to live him. You got a life. You're still young. Move on. Okay. Yeah. You don't, that's not what this marriage is supposed to be about. Okay. And you deserve better. Okay? Well, she's, and she's moved on. But why does it get you emotional? Because you have moved on. and I don't know. I, I think it's um, it's a mix of things. You know, it's, it's kind of like... Um, feeling like a failure, you know, having a failed marriage is something that I never wanted to have or or, or thought to have for myself or, you know, for my son uh, to, to grow up like that without both parents. Um, The fact that I didn't see that I was so oblivious to all of the signs, you know, in retrospect, I probably should have seen, seen things, you know, the isolation alone should have been a big, a big clue for me. And then the anger and, um, how did he isolate you from the family? Would he say things? It was so tricky. It was, it was really tricky. There would be little, minor things that would happen. And it was like my, um, you know, my parents were, oh, not supportive or my parents, you know, made this kind of comment. So, oh, they're not really for us kind of a thing, but, you know, they're still your parents. And, you know, I, I respect that. It, it was kind of like, a. it's really difficult to explain because it it was like removing me from them, but then still making me feel like, you know, but, but they're okay. You know, they're just okay over there. You know, uh, he, he didn't want me alone with my parents or with my relatives or friends. Uh, anytime I wanted to go out, it was inevitable that there would be a fight before, so I wouldn't go. Um, Did he take any women around his family outside of you and they knew about? Uh, around his daughter, yes. Uh, as far as his parents, if he did, they didn't tell me. Um, but he, yes, have his you daughter. Have contact yes. with him since all this has happened? Uh, I, he, he's on his second marriage now since me. Wow. Um, wait, wait, I didn't know that. He, wait, he's been married twice after you? Yes. That should be um, a good sign so for you. This wow. is the, uh, this is the second marriage after me. Okay. This, you, this, that should be a big sign yeah. for you. Yeah. You, you should be happy and glad that you're out of this. Okay. <laughs> He was not I, I know that it was the 
the right thing, you know, ultimately, I, I know that I'm where I'm supposed to be. And my husband now is wonderful and, and we live a good life and he is uh, very kind and supportive and, you know, has never even so much as yelled at me or said a, a sly, nasty word. Um, it, it's just not the kind of relationship that we have. We're actually really good friends. So it makes it nice. Um, have you talked to him about this? I know? have. Uh, you know, he he had kind of a bad first marriage as well. So I guess we have that in common. Uh, but... I never really want to burden him, I guess, with, with that kind of stuff or not, not that he would necessarily feel that it was a burden. It's just my thoughts. You know, I, I don't like to, uh, I don't know, be a negative man. She likes or... to be sunshine and rainbows and that's not healthy. <laughs> well, you, 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 you got a little emotional when we started into this. And I would suggest that you talk to somebody, I mean, a professional, okay? Right. Even though you've got a good marriage now and so on and so forth, and you and your husband have shared about what happened in each of your previous relationship, you still have an, an emotional spot somewhere that you have got to get out of your system. And I think if you talk to somebody, even find you a female counselor, okay? Find you a, or, or even a male counselor. And sit and talk to them about it and tell them where you are and why you're still getting emotion. See if you can get over that. You need to, you need, you got to get this out of your system. Okay. And where you know it wasn't your fault. Mm -hmm. It wasn't you. Okay. This, what he's done isn't about you. It was about him. And, and just you telling us today that he's, he's divorced since then twice. This is a second marriage. Um, that should tell you something. That should really, really tell you something. And you'll probably find out if you if you want to explore just for the just to find out who his other past relationships were, make contact with him. And find oh, out. I his his first well the ex wife after me, she actually reached out to me. She and I are now friends. Good. Uh, mm -hmm. So she, you know, she shared a lot of things. Uh, she and him never had any children together, but. Um, they weren't married long either. Um, but she, you know, had some similar stories, kind of thing. Mm -hmm. You need to hear, then you'll know what it wasn't about you. Yeah. It wasn't about point. you. It was about him. Okay. He's got a pattern. Okay. Right. And, and you were part of that pattern. This was not about you. Okay. And I'm, I'm happy that you have a, a good relationship now and, happy with your husband, but you've got to get this little piece that's still affecting you emotionally out of your system. You have to do that. And, and you know, I just suggested a couple of ways and I think it'll be good for you. Yeah. And also your son doesn't really see him anymore. You're the son that you have together, Maddox. No, Yeah. no. Mm -mm. He, um, I think it was last Christmas when they decided they were. How old is he now? Uh, he's going to he... have a birthday tomorrow. He'll yeah. be 13. Wow. I see that a lot. And um, my uh, my son, my oldest son, um, current wife, he, who he has, a, I, got a, I got a grandson who's eight years old. 
And she came to me the other day and said that her son, who I have a stepson too, his father has not seen him in many years. And she asked me to locate where he is. And he's paying child support through through um, the system in Georgia. Mm-hmm. But she asked me to see if I could reach out and find out where he is. And uh, so, because she wants to know. But his father, uh, my stepson's father, he has not seen his father in, since he was two years old. Mm-hmm. And he's now 14. Yeah. So, I mean, I see it all the time. And, uh, and, well, and the crazy thing is that he was fighting so hard for custody and he was making your lives just miserable trying to get make full custody. Like yeah, make yeah. It, make her look like she's this yeah. horrible mother. This wasn't about you, trust yeah. me. Yeah. From what just a little bit you told me, mm-hmm. if if you had hired me, we would have found out a lot of a lot of different things. And and it's not cheap to hire me. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. I know that. <laughs> and a lot of women, a lot of women that's in your situation doesn't have the money. Now I will tell you, I work ten cases a year to Engine Defense Council. And I help people like you. I'm going to tell you a real quick story, and it's 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 real funny. The deputy chief of Johns Creek Police Department contacted me, and he said, "I don't know that you can help me." And how he contacted my mom passed away um, back in January, and and his father works at the funeral home, and they they know me for years. But he he said, "I'm going to have my my son-in-law contact you and uh, see if you can help me." Well, he contacted me and he said, um, he said, I don't know if you can help me. He said, I gave up my daughter when I was 16 and I'm 60 years old. When I was 16 years old, I had a baby. Uh, and I haven't seen my, heard from my daughter in 40 years. And I want to know where she is. So he gave me her, her name, what it was, and he gave me her date of birth. And 12 hours later, I went to the fire station in Johns Creek and I said, Here's your daughter's phone number and here's her email. He contacted her. He contacted her and they spoke on the phone for three hours. And two weeks ago, she came here. First time they showed me pictures. Oh, that's beautiful. Yep, better. She uh, had one request that she meets me. So that Saturday, I took two bottles of champagne and went to his house. And you know, his current wife, told me, she said, you are, you, she said, you changed our entire life. She's staying here now. She's moving here. Oh, yep. oh she's that's moving lovely. Yep. She's got an abusive husband. Okay. Oh. She has a, a really funny story, small world. She has an abusive husband last week who sent, he had drug problems. He sent pictures of cocaine to her and also told her and kept a message that he was going to rip her head off if she didn't do A, B, C, and D. Well, I made contact with law enforcement up there where she's from in, uh, it was in uh, Arkansas. And ironically, I worked a missing persons case in Little Rock, Arkansas three years ago. From There was a girl that went missing and I worked a case, I found her. Okay. And uh, the detective that I spoke to in this county, this is lady's from, worked with a detective that I know very well. So he's opening an investigation up right now, and, and they're going up there, the family's going up there on the 10th of this month to get all her personal facts, and the police are already arranged to meet them. And uh, they're probably going to arrest him. Really? From what I sent him. This is evidence that I had that I passed on to law enforcement. The pictures of the drugs that he has in the house, 
and his abusive behavior, they're probably going to, they said they were going to pull stuff. And this guy had been in jail and all in that county wow. uh, for drugs. And he's on probation right now, too. So I have just stepped. But this family was so appreciative of what I did for them. And they came to me and said, how much money we owe you? You know what I told them? Nothing. That was sweet, TJ. <laughs> Yep. That's nice. I charge them nothing. So you you really help people out. Yeah. yeah. And, and I did. I, if you go to my website, you'll see all the write-ups, the people that I've helped. And, uh, and what, and is, your is, about, what is your website? What is your website? My website is com. Okay. And I'll put that information um, with the show notes. And that way, if people want to get a hold of you, they yeah, need you for I do work around the country, everywhere. and uh, But um, it's... The, the, the case I got in Anguilla, the family found me because I am the investigator in the disappearance of Natalie Holloway. They went missing in Aruba. And matter of fact, her anniversary is the 16th. Um, uh, it'll be 16 years on the 30th. Wow, this I month. can't believe it's been that long. Yeah. Vandersloot is in prison in Peru, who's been who's suspected of Natalie's disappearance. And, and his, his father also. His father passed away in 2010. 2010, he extorted Natalie's mother for $25,000, and he's he's got extortion warrants right now. He's been indicted in Birmingham, but he left uh, Aruba and went to Peru, met Stephanie Flores. Five years to the same day, Stephanie Flores found out about the what happened in um, Aruba, and he killed Stephanie Flores five years the same day and fled. They got him. And he's in prison for 36 years. And it's my understanding that he just got an additional 18 years because he got caught bringing, having drugs being brought into the prison. So her family hired you to look into him and his background and, and all that? try to find out. Yeah. Okay. Oh, yeah. I did a, I did a hour-long special last week with, Nat, with uh, one Natalie Holloway, with Natalie's father um, in the disappearance of Natalie Holloway which we also did a, a, a TV show in 2017, six-week miniseries. And last week, we just recapped the miniseries and, uh, because of the anniversary this month. And Nancy Grace is going to air the one-hour presentation on Fox sometime this month. That's wonderful. Well, I appreciate you being on my show. I, I, it's, a, it's an honor. Oh, you're very welcome. <laughs> and, I, and I hope I gave you some, some input and, um, and and try to help you um, resolve the balance of your last relationship in your own, you know, internal feelings, and yeah. uh, to try to get it out. I mean, you really do. If you if you did one counseling session and was for an hour and were able to talk to somebody and get your feelings out to somebody that doesn't know you, that will give you input about what you can do to help you get over this. I'll do it. <laughs> thanks monica for sharing your story i i love you so much love you Carl. thank you so much tj okay you're very welcome have a good day i will leave you with this quote she changed but not overnight like in the books you read over years slowly and painfully sometimes brutally but she did thank you so much for listening to virago 24 7 if you haven't done so already Go ahead and hit that subscribe button and please give us five star ratings. Also, don't forget to follow us on Instagram at Virago 
24 underscore 7 and on Facebook at Virago 24 slash 7 and just connect with us and share your story. We'd love to hear from you.